This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This week, we find out if the Clarets managed to get their first points of the season away at Newcastle and just who walked through the doors of Turf Moor on transfer deadline day. This is the Known and Ever podcast. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Known and Never podcast and Goodness me, do we have a show for you this evening. Joining me as your host, Natalie Bromley, as ever, are three of our panellists. We have Robert, George and Richard. However, for the second half of this show, we're opening our doors and we are going to try and conduct our first fan phoning. It's going to go one or two ways, listeners, and regular listeners will know the chaotic nature of the Known and Ever podcast is probably going to mean that it ain't going to go smoothly, but we're going to give it a try. We're going to get your thoughts on exactly what's going on at Turf Moor. Um, as I mentioned, lots to talk about, mainly because all is not well in Camp Burnley at the moment, listeners. What on earth is going on? We didn't get points on the board, spoiler alert, away at Newcastle at the weekend. We are three games in, three straight losses, too many goals conceded and we have got zero, well, apart from Stevens, who we'll come on to in a moment, we really haven't got the personnel through the door that we wanted on transfer deadline day. So we are going to mull all of that over and try and find out what's going on and where we go from here So without further ado, let's get into it. And Richard, I'm going to come to you first. Richard, good evening. How are you? Good evening, Natalie. Yeah, I'm pretty good. uh, All all circumstances given, yeah. Yeah, we're going to try and keep this as upbeat as possible, aren't we? It's going to be a very difficult show because there's not an awful lot of good news out there, but we're going to try our best to find out what's going on. So let's dive straight into a very disappointing night. Um, For me, Richard, it it wasn't just necessarily the third defeat on the road, but it was the nature of the defeat as well. It was dire, it was desperate and it was drab. It it was dull. Um, It was horrendous to watch at times. We had a a little 15-minute spurt at the start of the second half and we got back in the game and I thought, here we go, we might get something here. But other than that, it, it was just terrible. Hoofing the ball to Barnes and Wood. You know, and then the midfield so deep that they couldn't get anywhere near the second balls. Defensively, we was absolutely terrible. Um, you know, I've got a bit of sympathy for Kevin Long because I thought he did well after the lockdown, but he's been really poor this season. Completely got bullied all game by Wilson. And then you had Pope who had his worst game in, in a Burnley shirt. Overall, it was just a really disappointed evening. Newcastle are a team I've watched this season and they're definitely nothing special. And we really made them look good at times. And you're looking at the three games we've played and how are we going to stay up this season? I know it's early doors, but it looks really, the situation looks really, really desperate for us. Yeah, it, it does at the moment. But, you know, we are only three games in. Um, I think a couple of seasons ago, we only got one point from the opening first 
five games, I think, and we ended up staying quite comfortably that way. So we aren't going to dwell too much on the R word just yet, although it's going to be very difficult to avoid that. Um, Richard, I'm going to come back to you on that point later on. Um, But Robbie, I want to come to you first, because Richard mentioned there that the defence, particularly in the first half, was really shambolic. Um, We were boosted, obviously, midweek with Tarkovsky's magical toe injury coming back to full fitness and being, hooray, it's it's well again, just short after Leicester had not put an offer in. Uh, but, you know, we're not we're not doing conspiracy theories here. Um, so we were boosted with him starting in the league. But I would, were you surprised to see Kevin Long start against him as opposed to Jimmy Dunn, who a lot of people are suggesting is, num- is A, better than Kevin Long, and number two, started the season better? Uh, not really. I think because Kevin Long's got a little bit more experience. I think Tarkovsky and Long have also played together as well. Um also, I just think it gives gives a bit of a stronger foundation than trying Tarkovsky and Dunn, who probably never part in each other before. Um, so I, it wasn't much of a surprise for me. Um, but yeah, the, the the performance on Saturday was was pretty poor. I'm even more annoyed that I had in my fantasy football Nick Pope and Tarkovsky in my team. So yeah, blame me. We blame you for a lot of things, Robbie, but, you know, we'll just add that to the list. Um, well, George, coming to you, it wasn't just Tarkovsky who started again at, at the weekend in, in, in the league. We were also boosted by Ashley Barnes returning to the starting lineup, And again, similar to the, the Kevin Long, Jimmy Dunn argument, a lot of people were suggesting that perhaps Matty Vidra was quite unlucky to not be given the start. Um, and, he, you know, he brought Ashley Barnes into that starting lineup after a long spell out. Now, considering that he went with Long at the back instead of Jimmy Dunn and, um, uh, uh, sorry, my brain is going, Ashley Barnes instead of Matty Vidra, it looks pretty obvious that he was going for strength, doesn't it? And he was looking for some kind of robust physicality to the game. Yeah, definitely. And obviously, it's been mentioned before, both these players are experienced Dash players. They've played with us for a long time. I know the weekend was, I think they said it was, I think it was Barnes's 200th appearance for Burnley. And, you know, we know all about the quality he's got. And with Wood and Barnes up there, it just means if we do end up camping in our own box a bit, we can always hit it long and hope that we win the second ball. So, yeah, I was really, really glad to see Barnes back. It's felt like so long. And I know Richard was getting a bit annoyed with his throwing himself on the floor before before he uh, got his injuries. But it's really good to see him back in the Burnley shirt, especially, you know, 200, 200th appearance for the club. Don't Don't really get much better than that. And... I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do this season because we've now, if they're all fit, well, obviously, J-Rod's coming back. We've got four really good strikers there and if Barnes can hit the ground running and he got one disallowed at the weekend, you know, we've got a really good front line to build from there and it's not all doom and gloom. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and like I say, we'll come on to, to transfer talks later on, but Darch himself has said, and this has been backed up by our previous head of state, Jamie Smith, they were both noted this week that, um, you know, when when you look at our squad and everybody's back fit, actually, is it that bad a squad? And maybe we're, we're looking at this at the moment with a bit of panic ties because we have got so many players missing. Um, but I, I actually thought Ashley Barnes did really well. I was one of the the, the fans who maybe raised an eyebrow when the, the squad was was announced because um, I would have started Matty um, just because I think he earns that right. I think he just gives us a little bit more. And what I worried about and what actually did happen is we would revert to long ball and hoofing it up front to, to Wooden Barnes to try and bypass the Newcastle midfield. And that did ha- very much happen a lot of the time. Um, but as you say, George, you know, he had a, um, Barnsley had a, a goal disallowed. I thought he looked short. Actually, I thought his movement for the goal that was disallowed was really, really good. Um, he'd got himself into all sorts of space. And we know that's what Ashley Barnes does well. He can, you know, he can push defenders away and he can turn his body and just create himself so much space that defenders can't handle. So actually, um, I do think it was the right choice in the end. Um, and unfortunately, you know, it didn't it didn't quite pay off. Um, Richard, coming back to you then, um, you mentioned this in your opening assessment of the game. We can't really, I guess, criticise the guy at all. And I don't think we can dwell on this too much, given that it's been a long time since we saw this. But my God, Nick Pope chose to not just underperform, but have an absolute shocker. Oh yeah, listen, obviously Pope's been unbelievable for, for us. Probably our mo- one of our most consistent uh, players last season. He's just one of them. He, he just had a bad game. He looked nervous from the off for me. His kicking didn't seem quite right. And then obviously the goal went in from set maximum. 
listen, he hit it hard and, and obviously it wasn't the easiest of conditions for a keeper. It, it was wet. Could have probably could have done better with the goal, uh, with the first goal. And then obviously, yeah, just an absolute shocker for the second. Back pass has come back to him, just a heavy touch. Obviously, he took Fraser down, clear penalty. Um, then obviously, at that point, it's 2-1. Even though we're not playing great, you're still feeling well. We can get back into, a, in, into the game and that third goal absolutely killed us. And I think when... I don't think Tarkovsky was brilliant either um, in the game, but obviously he's just coming back to full fitness. When you when you when you're struggling, you need you know your big players to step up and perform. And unfortunately, um, you know Pope didn't have a good game at all on Saturday. But I fully back him um, in the home game against West Brom to dust himself down, you know, and come back again stronger. And hopefully Tarkovsky another foot, you know, having that international break, getting get his fitness back 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 up to speed. Um, you know, can mean he can get solid and hopefully have Ben Mee next to him. And all of a sudden, if you've got Ben Mee back in that defence with Tarkey, it does look a lot stronger. Yeah, it does. I think I think that's one of the things that we've all well, we've all known it for a long time, haven't we? That that one of the constant factors in that burner defence, regardless of who plays alongside him, is Ben Mee. Um, and he's such an underrated player, and, and he's the one that doesn't get the headlines. It's all about Michael Keane. It's all about James Tarkovsky. They're the big money move signings. They're the ones that all the top six players are after. They're the ones that get the the England call-ups. And, and Ben Mee always seems to get um, overlooked. But actually, you know, he he complements those players, and he really contributes to the success of, of those players who play alongside him. And I think he is, for me, the one player who we are missing more than anything. Um, we all thought that we needed Tarky back, but obviously we've all realised very quickly it's Ben Mee that we needed back, um, not just Tarkovsky. Um, well, the half-time, the half-time team talk, um, Robbie, seemed to go very well. Um, Burnley were sent out early. They were out for a good three or four minutes before the Newcastle players came out, um, clearly being given the hard word by Dash. And for the first 15 minutes or so, that really seemed to work. We got that goal, we equalised, and we looked a completely different side. Um, But what we did see, and what I've seen a lot in the early stages of this season, was a Newcastle side that got themselves in front and just did a Burnley on us and just relaxed. Southampton did the same thing. We talked about this in the show last week. Sat back and just thought, well, it's job done. And the minute we equalised, they seemed to shift gear again and just scored another one. Um, It feels very much like a lot of the sides in this league have figured us out and have worked out a very simple way to defeat us or neutralise our threat. And we don't seem to have an answer. Does that concern you? Uh, A little bit, because, I mean, we... Whenever we aren't at our best, especially in terms of like a shape and we seem completely well off the pace, we do look pretty easy to beat, um, which is a complete contrast as when Burnley are on it, we're incredibly difficult to beat. Um, and that, that that does worry me. We don't seem to have that resilience and resolve, which maybe we had two, three years ago, or even when we, ever, ever since really Sean that's just come in, even when we didn't play well, like you, you, we were always pretty good value for maybe a nil-nil or just being able to scrape out a point. Um, but when we're bad, like really, really bad, we just seem to concede like four, maybe five goals. And we never like, with a defensive shape against Leicester, for example, like just the goals we conceded are just an absolute mess. And then the goal we conceded against Southampton was a bit of a mess. And then, you, you look at the the goals we can see against, against Newcastle on Saturday. It's just like this isn't the the the, 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 the I can't get my words out resilient Burnley which we're all used to. Yeah, you're right, and I think worryingly for us, I think that's what seems to be being picked up across the board, isn't it? All the pundits and and all of the the media outlets are all very much going with the same narrative of that there is something wrong um, and they might not be able to put their finger on it. They might only be speculating, but we just don't look ourselves at all. Um, Now, as you rightly said, it may very well be that once we get everybody back, we get that nucleus of the squad back and we've got those players playing together who know each other inside out, then the the, the situation will look very different. Um, But, George, irrespective of all of that, I think the thing that's bothering me about this season is I've just got doubts as to whether or not a full fit Burnley squad 
all of the first choice players in there playing the game that they play as well as they do, knowing each other's game inside out, whether that's going to be enough. Because so many of the teams around us seem to have improved dramatic dramatically out of nowhere. No, I completely agree. And it's just escalated by the fact that we haven't spent money, obviously, in the transfer window. You look around at teams and even the promoted teams, um, well, Fulham and West Brom, I think we're all being a bit harsh, maybe, but like saying them two should go down. But you just look at Leeds. I mean, they're absolutely flying. And Aston Villa, again, a team that we really could have done with going down last season because... Well, this season they've improved significantly. They've spent a lot of money again. And if you throw enough rubbish at the wall, eventually some of it's going to stick. Um, so, I think you know, I think they've improved. And you're just looking at teams like Crystal Palace, West Ham in the last few weeks. Maybe if they can keep David Moyes in isolation, they can win the league. I mean, at the rate they're going. So, yeah, it is worrying. And it's just compounded by the fact that we've not strengthened in a transfer window. Uh, I, I, I do think we should have enough to stay up, but... That's just basing it on a dice Burnley, not by actually calculating it and looking at the other teams around us because it really is worrying when you do look at how much they've strengthened and we simply haven't. And we've even, we've gone backwards, let's be honest. Yeah, I think that's, uh, maybe we've not gone backwards, but maybe we've not gone as far forward as other people have. And a lot of people say, don't they, George, that if you stay static in this in this league, then you will be overtaken very quickly. Um, just a, a final word on that from you then, George. Three games, three defeats, three quite poor defensive performances, not a lot of goals being scored. We know it's far too early to even think about this, but... Do do we have enough? You know, do we genuinely have enough to survive? I know you're saying you think we do, but are we genuinely going to be fighting to stay 18th all season? 17th, sorry. We will be fighting to stay 17th all season for sure. I think it's it's going to be a struggle, and I do think we've gone backwards just by letting Hendrick go and Lennon. You know, these are plays that we haven't even just simply replaced. Uh, so yeah, I think it's a season where we're going to be looking over our shoulders a hell of a lot. <laughs> Yeah, it is. Um, Richard, does that make you angry? Does it irritate you, the fact that we're in the situation that we found ourselves in? Yeah, of course, it's massively frustrated. We, we've, you know, we come 10th last season with, you know, and after lockdown, a Fred Burr squad. And we've got slightly worse again. You know, we're, we're just not looking to progress at all. You know, we've come 10th and it's all of a sudden we're talking about, oh, well, we're just happy to come 17th. I'm really torn on this. Obviously, a good season, you know, for Burnley, given everything and all the circumstances, is just to stay up in the Premier League. But there's no ambition at all to progress at the club. You know, the playing staff and Dyche, they all want to progress. And, you know, can we become a top-half Premier League club? And with a little bit of investment, two or three more players adding adding to the group who, who have that quality, I really think, you know, we can be around that top-half. And we're looking at it now. We've ended up signing Dale Stevens. Um, in my opinion, I don't. He doesn't look anywhere near it. Um, but we'll. But we'll see how he gets on. And, and yeah, you know, there's just no. There's no excitement really at the moment. You know that Harry Wilson, if he come in, it, it would have been a great signing. So I'm really worried. As George said, we're going to be looking out over our shoulders. You know, Villa against Liverpool. It might be a freak result. You know, look at the. You know, they've signed some very good players. Barkley, for example. Um, you know, I think this summer more than others, I'm looking at other teams and going, you know, they've recruited really well and they look like they're a level above us. So I've got massive concerns, but hopefully get a few players back, get everything settled down and get pick up a couple of results and then we can start our season properly. Yeah, I, th- I think that's fair enough. I think at the moment, um, the first phase of, of the of the Premier League is looking like the four weakest teams at the bottom are obviously West Brom, Fulham, Burnley and probably Sheffield United as well. Now, there'll be other teams that go in and out of there, of course, as well as the season goes on. But certainly on the first three or four games, um, you know, we, we aren't looking very strong. And I think... Certainly Newcastle and Southampton, we've already lost a couple of opportunities to get some points on the board where in previous seasons we would have picked up points against those. Um, so, yeah, that that is very worrying. Um, Robbie, there's been all sorts of talk this week about problems within the club. Um, Chris Borden at Burnley Express has, has written quite a scathing article today, which is quite 
not out of character for him, but a, quite a bold move for a local newspaper who are usually very much in Camp Burnley and, and, and help with their PR exercise. Um, he didn't hold back at all. And, and, and listeners, if you haven't read it yet, I would encourage you to go and, and click on it. I think it's a fantastic article. And we're going to hope to get Borden on here soon to, to get his thoughts. Um, he talked about the club being borderline negligent with the way that they've let this go. Um, there's also talk about an irrevocable relationship breakdown between Garlic and Daesh. Um with that in mind, do we suddenly start thinking that our future hinges on the Americans taking over? Possibly, yeah. Um, it's a, it's a really, st- it's it's really hard to explain because I've never really, I've never really felt this coming in the last few years or anything. We've always felt like a really stable club. We've always seemed to have really good foundations in place. Um, when you think about clubs who have been relegated from the Premier League in recent years, you've always seemed to have problems at like the top of the club, and it always that whenever there's tension at the top of the club, it usually shows on the pitch, and that's my biggest concern at the moment is that we we look so disjointed. It's because we're so disjointed in terms of a boardroom level as well. Um, so we need to get this this board this whoever's going to take over. We need to get it sorted asap. Um, and then we could start to focus on the results on the pitch. Um, but it's just, you know, since Project Restart and stuff like that, you know, the the positivity we had, you know, obviously we had the the the, the banner flying over the Etihad and the way Ben Mee come out and the positivity with that and then the unbeaten run, we was like, two, what was it, like two defeats in 12, something like that, which was really, really encouraging. We had so much momentum. We finished the season quite strongly, apart from Brighton. Finishing the top 10 in the top 10, it's like, right, let's go build on that. Let's have a really good season. And it's just an absolute shambles now. And I've never felt so dejected from a football club. And I've never really felt such... There's a bit of a divide amongst us fan base as well. You've still got... There's fans like us who want us, you know, to build on last season who want to progress and be a little bit more ambitious but then you still have also got the fans who still keep referring to the bloody Orient game in the 70s like it's not even relevant anymore (laughs) No it's not but I think the Orient game is still a a really huge benchmark I I do agree I I get one of the things that winds me up more than anything is when I get the Orient game thrown at me when I'm trying to make a valid point about where we are now Um, the fact remains is that the Orient game is a huge landmark in our club's history and it's still a very very important game for a lot of our older fan base who um, very much remember how close they went to losing their club and I, I suspect that a lot of their caution and a lot of their concerns are very much to do with um fear of that happening again um so i think you know we we just have to be you know we have to be mindful of the fact that that was a long time ago now and football has changed and actually the same um ethos that we applied to the scenario back in 1987 is not going to be the same um in 2020 um We're going to start handing over to you in a minute. We're going to start calling up some of our listeners. We've got, I think we've got about four listeners who are going to be joining us this afternoon um, just to give us their opinion on on the current state of affairs in the club at the moment. Um, Before we get on to that, George, one of the things that Borden mentioned in his article, now we we haven't fact-checked this and we don't know whether or not this is right or not, but one of the things he mentioned is is a disconnect between the expectations of Garlic, Rig and Daesh and he went as far to suggest that that they that Garlic and or Rig had tried to bring players in that Dash had vetoed because they weren't the player he wanted. Now that's a little concerning. What do you make of those reports? It's seriously worrying that, and I just don't understand it because I I I, I'm, I tend to believe it. I don't think Chris Borden reports stuff that's that's wrong, um, and. It's just it's it's so wrong of the club to be doing that because at the end of the day, Dash is the best manager we've had in a generation. I mean that's undisputable, really. And yet they're now making bids for players that he don't that he doesn't want, while at the same time bringing in, apart from maybe Stevens, literally no one he actually wants to sign. And it, we're just completely letting him down and. I don't think the smoke without fire, really. It does seem like there is a disconnect between the board and Daesh at the moment. He's 
never he's not been as unhappy as he is now in the press conferences in since he joined the club you know since project restart and all the rumors started then and it's just so disappointing to see him being let down like this there's no point okay we've got hardly any money well, there's no point wasting money on players that dice doesn't want because at the end of the day it's him who's gonna have to coach these players it's him who's setting the team up and it's him who's managing us against these teams why bring in players that he doesn't even want why even waste our time with that I just can't understand it just back the manager and presumably he'll have a long list of players just go after them players like people are saying oh Harry Wilson would have cost too much well you'd have thought Dash should have had backup signings that he'd wanted instead so yeah it's, it's really worrying and the the most worrying thing is that we're probably about to see Dash leave before long if this isn't repaired and he's the best manager we've had, you know, in a good half a decade. It's just, you know, it wouldn't be acceptable that at all. And there'd be uproar in the in the in the crowds. Yeah, I think I think it's quite obvious to to people watching inside and outside of the club that one of them's going. It's either garlic or Dash, and we all know which one we hope will go and which one will stay. Um Richard, I guess it's a bit difficult to analyse that assessment because we're not privy to the type of player that Garlic and Rig wanted to bring in and, and why Dyche vetoed those. Um, I think I think one thing that it did do for me was very much change the dynamic of me being 100% um, all guns blazing against the board and, and how dare you leave us in this situation to actually thinking, okay, there, there's a deeper-rooted problem here and actually... Why is Dyche vetoing those players, and, and is you know is there a bigger disharmony here? Well, I think it's clear there's un, un, unrest and kind of disagreements between Garlic, Rig, and Dyche. I, I just fully agree with George. Dyche is the manager, and since his time here, he's picked his players to players that he wants. Um, overall, his signings and the recruitment have been very successful for us. Obviously, you, you can highlight players like Gibson. That was an absolute disaster. I do. I, I think that Dice can be stubborn at times. I think there is more value for money in the European market. That might suit us more. But at the end of the day, Dice is the ones who sends the players on the pitch. He needs to trust those players. So you've got to back the manager and what the manager wants. And as George said, uh, if Harry Wilson was too much, OK, what's the backup then? It's kind of like we're, we're seeming to be going for targets that are either unachievable or that the manager wants and it's just caused absolute chaos and muddled thinking I don't think it and um, one thing I've always felt we've had at Burnley is and a reason to keep Dyche is that he's got complete control and autonomy on what happens on the football side and that seems to be slipping a, a little bit a little bit away now and even though in the past we've had injuries we've had difficulties uh, we've had a um, you know a stretch squad You've always felt there's that unity and that spirit and, you know, and Dice has always been positive and you feel like that's broken now. And that's my biggest concern is it's starting to, whatever's going on in the boardroom, is starting to have an effect on the pitch. And I think the relationship's gone too far. I can't see Garlic and Dice being able to work for much longer together. So fingers crossed for me personally, listen, it, it, and anything new has its concerns but moving forward, and if we want to keep Dice, I think the only way to go is, you know, for this for this takeover, because I I just can't see how Dice and Garlic can repair their relationship. Yeah, it's worrying stuff. Uh, George, did you have something that you wanted just to, to to flick in with this before we move on to get our first call? Yeah. Also, it's it's not just the, that we need a lot more money. I think Dice will probably leave before long if we don't get taken over, just because not the dispute between him and Garlic, but just because. There's only so much you can do with a club. You know, a, a manager will want new ambitions. And if we do keep Garlic, our ambitions are ne- not going to change in the next 10 years or so. It's just going to be st- to stay up. So I think we're, we are relying on a takeover because the money incentive of improving the squad is probably the only thing that would give Dash some encouragement to stay here for another five or six years or what have you. get our first listener on the show because it's about time that we listen to what some of our fans have said and see if anybody can 
put any logic to this madness that's going on at the moment. So we are delighted to be joined, first and foremost, by Will Lancaster. Will, welcome to the show. Thanks very much. A net spend of just over one million, bottom of the league table in terms of spends this season. And I think we were the second lowest spenders were Palace at 17.4 million. Can you sum up for us the disappointment for the transfer window? Um, well, it just promised so much at the start, you know, uh, obviously losing Jeff, losing Phil, Joe Hart. Um, and then to only bring in Dale Stevens after no loan signings, Will Norris as well. Just, um, yeah, disappointing. Harry Wilson, the whole saga turned down. And after a season that promised so much in 10th, to now be definitely bottom three is just appalling, really. Yeah, it is. I mean, the Harry Wilson problem, Will, was was really disappointing, wasn't it? We, we were all getting really excited, thinking that for once we were going to be able to sign a really exciting player and a young player and somebody who could compliment Dwight McNeil and maybe help him raise his game. And then all of a sudden, it just went to a ridiculous scenario where suddenly they were arguing over a couple of million here or there, and then the deal was off completely. I mean... Do you think it? Do you think that we just needed to sell? Do you think that that deal was always on the basis that we were going to sell Tarkovsky, and then we just didn't have the funds? Because if that's the case, that's even more worrying. Well, I think the only thing that's really impacted our spending since coronavirus has come in is uh, ticket sales and stuff, which, as the lowest capacity in the Premier League, it shouldn't really affect us as much as the other sides. Um, I don't think that that Tarkovsky sell was impending on the Harry Wilson saga. I think to say that we've posted a profit every year since 2015, well over 30 million and stuff like that, I think £16 million shouldn't really be an issue for us. Um, £10 million, Alan Nixon said towards the end, would have sealed the deal. <clears throat> but um, not even to spend over double digits at this stage and still have Kevin Long, Jimmy Dunn, as well as they've done at the start of the season, has definitely just summed up that we do need this investment. Um, it's just not good enough, really. Um, even the championship window now, the supply and demand, say if we would sign uh, Jed Wallace, been linked with him, I've seen. Quite direct, quite nice, but he'd have only cost maybe six, seven million. And now Millwall can look at us and go, oh, it's 12, 13. And you're right in saying about Dwight McNeil, it would take the onus off him to be our sole creator. We've got Johan Johan Bergumanson, but as we've seen, he has glass knees. And to do do 38 games a season with him as our only right winger for the second year in a row, it's just, I can't see us surviving really. Yeah, it is really worrying. Um, well, final thoughts then before we let you go and move on to our next caller. You know, I think that the view on the panel is very much um, that we will survive and we've got enough in this squad when they're all fit to do it. What's your gut telling you? Do you think we are going to be in the bottom three or do you think we'll survive by the skin of our teeth? Um, I think Fulham are definite. So, and I, at the start of the season, I said West Ham as well, but after the last two game weeks, I think they'll be fine. Um, I think it's a three-horse race for two spots between us, West Brom and Sheffield United. And Fulham even spent well, so you can't even count them out fully, actually. Um, gut feeling is it'll be us, West Brom and Fulham, with Sheffield United and us battling until the last two or so game weeks. I think it'll be an exact mirror of the 2014-15 season. Oh, Will, you're breaking our hearts. You're breaking our hearts. Well, thank you very much for coming on and giving us your opinion. We're going to try and get you back before the end of the season to see how this plays out. Um, But thank you very much for joining us and um, hopefully you'll enjoy the rest of your season. Um, Richard, just very quickly before we move on to our next caller. um, it, It seems like our fans are really down in the dumps at the moment. Do you think that it's not helping the situation with us all not being at the ground at the moment? Uh, yeah, I think Will Will made some really good points. Uh, I think when when Turf Moor's rocking and when they've and when we've got the crowd behind us, it definitely makes a difference. You can see the 
when we went on a bad run last season and we had the Leicester game at home, I thought the atmosphere was fantastic and it definitely willed the players on. So, yeah, 100% of course it makes a difference. But what do we say, though? We seem to do pretty well without it in lockdown, but I suppose the pressure wasn't on us as much then. We was already safe. Um, yeah, similar to what Will said, um, you know, I think it's too early to categorise teams and, you know, to say this this far is definitely going to be down there at the moment. Um, I love Will's prediction. It's very precise saying it's going to go down to the last two <laughs> um, If that comes off, Will, I've, I think I'll be using you as my bookie um, in the future. But, um, yeah, it's going to be difficult. And as, as I mentioned before, other teams look stronger. But, listen, let's try and keep the faith. But, yeah, definitely. Fingers, I signed a, peti- I signed a petition to today. So, I retweeted it on my Twitter. Everybody gets signing uh, the petition to get uh, football fans back in back in stadium soon. Oh yeah, well we'll come on we'll come on to that before we get to the end of the show because that's a really really important point that's worth a plug. Um, but before we do that, let us bring in our next caller. We are joined this evening by Stuart Parkinson. Stuart, welcome to the show. Hello. Hello. Um, we've been trying to stay as positive as we can tonight, and we're trying to. Although Will's brought us back down to earth a little bit, but from your perspective. Is there is there a fundamental problem that can be overcome in this club, or is it just a case of lockdown jitters, coronavirus impact, no fans behind us? What's your gut feeling as to what's going wrong at the moment? Uh, personally speaking, I don't think it's so much the uh, lack of fans in the ground. I think that's actually probably a good thing at the moment, um, given how... Um, <laughs> certainly looking at Twitter timelines, uh, how crazy everybody's been about the, the transfer window. Um, I think it's the injuries that we've had to the squad. Um, so we're obviously missing our main defensive duo. Um, mm. Ben Mee being out is a massive, massive hindrance. Um, and I think not having anybody available uh, who's naturally a right winger um, is the other major problem that we've got. It's To me, it's injuries at the moment. Um, and trying to fill those gaps and not putting square pegs into round holes again, like we did with Hendrick. Yeah, well, we, we've done that a lot. And it, it was kind of disappointing to see that as well, in that obviously we brought Dale Stevens in, Stuart, to bolster that central midfield offering. But straight away, because of our injuries, we've had to bring Stevens in straight away into the middle. And we're not going to set Richard off on one about Dale Stevens because he's not he's not the biggest fan at the moment. And then having to push Josh Brownhill out onto the to wing to cover the right wing that's currently not got anybody playing in it. And then what you've then got is Dale Stevens playing in the middle who's not quite up to speed yet. You've got Brownhill playing on a wing that is not his strongest position, although apparently we're told for Brentford he did play there quite a lot. But he's then lost lost his effectiveness. What would it have taken in the transfer window then for you to feel like we'd done good business? What was the minimum that you were expecting? Uh, the absolute minimum that we needed out of the transfer window, as far as I could see, um, was having somebody on the right wing, absolutely, and potentially cover for central midfield. Now, I think we've done that with Dale Stevens. I think you're right in that he's been shuffled in because they weren't really expecting both Brady and Goodmanson to be out. But the fact that we've gone through uh, another transfer window with two players who've suffered really badly from injuries, um, not necessarily that I think that they're made out of glass or anything like that, but um, I think it's definitely not helped that, again, Robbie Robbie Brady's been injured at Leicester for the second time running. Um, we definitely needed somebody on that right wing. Dale Stevens is fine as cover, but having to use him in the centre now and pushing Brownell out wide right where he's clearly not that comfortable, certainly not as comfortable as he is in central midfield, is um, starting to remind me of what we did with Hendrick. Um, I was quite a fan of Jeff's, um, very much in the minority, I think, with a lot of Burnley fans. Oh, no, I was I think, as well. No, yeah, I, I've listened to the podcast long enough to know that you're a big <laughs> fan of Jeff. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's to me, it's we're doing the same thing again and it's going to get us the same results, which is the player on the who's being played out of position not bringing yeah. the best that they can. I mean, we've seen it from Brownhill that he can perform in the centre, so why aren't we playing him there? The answer is that we didn't bother buying anybody to play out on the right yeah god it's so disappointing isn't it I mean 
I yeah, guess it, I asked. Yeah, I asked right. you the same question. No, it's all right. I'm just going to say I'm just I'm. It's so disheartening that we are talking about this. You know, we've had um, Stuart. This is our fifth consecutive season in the Premier League. We've had a top ten finish. We've got into Europe, and it seems like we've just like flown massively behind the curve. Um, how do you feel then as a fan? I'm going to ask as many people as this as I can to know this is a really prickly subject. How do you feel about the possible American takeover? Does that make you nervous or does it make you excited? Um, I, my opinions change slowly over time. Um, so I know I am, I was previously quite hesitant about it i think there's a lot of people um who seem to think that it's uh be careful what you wish for because look what's happened to them down the road with venkies um i think i said as much to you actually on twitter one time um but i've as i've looked at it more and more i don't think it's the same kind of situation it's not that we're being sold because there's a trust a group of trustees who couldn't care less about the football club and want out which I think is what happened down the road. I think this is Garlic probably realising that he isn't going to be able to fund the club like it needs to be. And hopefully um, AL providers with those extra funds. So I'm kind of hopeful that they'll be able to give us that injection of cash that we obviously need to be able to get deals over the line. Yeah, that is a lovely summary, Stuart, and I think that gives me hope that I think you're right. It's very easy as fans to get emotional, isn't it, and to get a little bit irate when things don't go our way. That's what fans are. We're passionate and we we don't always think logically or clearly. Sometimes we let our hearts rule our mouths and we we go on rants and we we say things in the heat of the moment that we don't necessarily mean the bottom of our heart. It's because we love the club so much and we want it to do well. Really interesting points on the takeover, Stuart, and I, and I think you're right about garlic, and I think we've said this in previous podcasts, we want to stop this toxic attitude towards the chairman. Um, there has to be some respect for what he's done for the club, and I think that, you know, like you say, that we've just now got to the stage where the club's outgrown him, um, and mm. let's just hope he's doing as much as he can to, to do a smooth handover. Um, Stuart, thanks for joining us on the show. Um, like I said um, with Will, we will try and bring you back before the end of the season to see how your predictions came up. Um, before we go to our next caller then, um, Robert, it was quite interesting to hear Stuart talk then about the fans um, not helping matters if they're in the stadium. Actually, this situation would be a lot worse. I know you love a good rant at a live football game, Robbie. Do you share that view? Do you think it would have been incredibly toxic if fans were in the in the stadium right now? Yeah, I think so. Especially after after the window closed, I think obviously we probably go into the West Brom game. I think it would be absolutely. I think it'd be a very. I think you certainly feel the tension. I think if we were to go one 0 down, I think the crowd would very quickly turn. Especially if it was a, a near a near full house, um, and then obviously if the final whistle was to blow, I just think it'd be a chorus of boos, and then it just becomes, it just escalates into more toxicity. Then it goes into Twitter, and then that turns into players being abused, and then it's just, it, I just think it'd be an absolute mess. Yeah, I think he's right. I've not really thought of that. I think I'm just because I've been missing the ground so much. I think you're probably right. I think it's it's probably helping matters that we're all away at the moment. Um, well, let's move to our third caller of the this evening. And I am very delighted to welcome back to the show, Mike Landers, who has been on the podcast before. He's a friend of the show. Mike, you know the drill. Tell us how you're feeling. Um, absolutely annoyed. I was so annoyed this weekend when I was hearing about the stuff that come out of the club. Um, and that's not something that I've actually felt for a long time. Uh, but the the frustration, the utter frustration with um, the way that um, the players, uh, the players personnel, the transfers, whatever you want to call it, has been managed over the last six weeks, or actually since the end of uh, June now, it's just ridiculous and you kind of hope that the the club was was progressing off the field you hope that the club was doing better that we were actually a premier league club and i hate using the word tin pot because it means you know it's so derogatory but i i just find some of the dealings and some of the way we've approached stuff to be utterly um amateurish from the outside uh and I think the one thing that really got to me as well, it kind of occurred to me, 
as Clarence fans, we know that Deitch is moving on at some point. He will not be there forever. And we kind of reconcile ourselves with that. And we reconcile ourselves with that on the idea that he's going to go off uh, to a bigger club and receive a deal that he can't turn down. And every Clarence fan will go, fair play, mate. Off you go. Thank you so much. You know, that is too good. It's time to look after yourself. I never thought it would be in a situation where it's actually the club feeling like it's us pushing him out. I never thought I'd feel that way. Do you, do you genuinely feel that way, though, Mike? Do you think that... Because I guess for me, I did feel that when we first heard these rumours of, of the chairman and the manager falling out. But actually, if all of these rumours about ALK are true and that the Americans are taking over... Garlic's going to be gone anyway, so why would he then push Dyche out? You know, that, that seems to be against what I would thought would happen. Well, I don't think he's pushing, you know, Garlic's, I don't think Garlic's pushing him out deliberately. I think it's by his actions. I think the only, the worry I have with the ALK thing is that what exactly is, is now the club? You know, it's a club that, um, where the manager's annoyed, where, um, We've got nine or ten outfield players coming up for contract renewal and we're not spending any money on reinforcements. Here was a chance to get some reinforcements in to ease that situation, to ease the pressure on the manager. And it's kind of like it's, if you're trying to sell the club, that's the least attractive thing you could do because ALK are going, oh, right, now we have to spend money straight away in January and probably get these other nine players uh, either new contracts or replacements. I just, I, I don't get it. I really don't. And and I think the thing that also annoys me so much is that over previous transfer windows, we've held so many reasons why players don't come. And as Clarence fans, we kind of accept that. We understand the situation we're in. We understand the situation with finances, the way the club is run. But you take all those on board. Um, for instance, the classic one for me is, there isn't the market value or players were more expensive than the market was actually asking. I actually looked at the Harry Wilson situation. Liverpool were asking 15 million quid, right? They sold Jordan eBay for 15, eBay, eBay, uh, okay, right, 15 million. Dominic Solanke, 19 million. Rian Brewster, 23 million. Now you're telling me that Harry Wilson, with 31 Premier League appearances and seven goals in the Premier League, is not worth 15 million quid if that's the market. Matty Cash. Yeah, I've got to say, I, I agree. I've had quite a few conversations. I, I completely agree. And there's been quite a few people who've been saying, oh, if, if Liverpool want 20, 20 million for Harry Wilson, then we've got to move away. It's the right thing to do. But I think we're not the ones, are we, Mike, to make that, make that um, what's the word I'm looking for, make that um, valuation. It's the experts. And, and that's what the current market dictates. Yeah, I mean, at some point, right, I, I agree to an extent. I agree that it's a negotiation. But at some point, you've got to bite the bullet. You have to do something, especially when we don't actually have any fit players in that position. Sometimes you just have to swallow it. And 15 million plus add-ons, and we went for, what, 12 million plus five in add-ons. I mean, this is kind of like, oh, it it just... I don't get it. it. It feels like there, there is a, and I've used this phrase before. There is a difference between between being prudent and being cheap. And in the previous experience, I found the board generally are being prudent, and I can understand it. It really feels like this time they were just being cheap and being cheap at the wrong time, as well. Um, that that's it. it just feels wrong and and that sounds daft you know especially trying to explain it but i think the feeling among fans no, i've talked to it's just something's not right there and if you can't yeah if you can't get a player like harry wilson who is not in liverpool's plans and you can't get him for a price where three years ago we were spending that money something's wrong you know yeah, definitely. I think uh, I think we've just found the the title of this week's podcast, Cheap at the Wrong Time. That is a great line. Uh, Mike, before we let you go then, what's your gut instinct? Do we survive this season or do you think we're in trouble? It, it's very hard to tell. Um, I'll try and keep this brief. The lack of fans in the stadium is making football very, very weird. 
Um, we've seen it with these results, and these results would never happen with a with a uh, with fans in the in the stadium. Uh, what I worry about is our style of play, the players that we have. We kind of feed off that. We feed off the fans at the turf supporting it. We feed off the opposition not liking it and the opposition fans not liking it. And I worry that our style of play and our style of players um, aren't suited to the current situation. Um, I do think we're better than three other teams, but God don't ask me to name them. Uh, But I think (laughs) it's going to be a hell of a lot closer than it should be. Oh. Well, I feel I feel sad that you're sad, Mike. I don't like you being sad. I like happy, 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 Mike. So we're sending you virtual love from Non and Ever HQ, and we will speak to you before the end of the season to see if we manage to cheer you up a bit. Um, <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> you're welcome, um, George. Just before we bring our last uh, listener in, I think Mike made a really good point there about valuations, particularly looking at Liverpool's previous sales and this ridiculous idea about valuations of of, of Harry Wilson. Have we got ourselves in a situation now where our own stubbornness about, and particularly Daisha's stubbornness about what he believes players are worth, are actually causing us the biggest problem here? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that was a, a very valid point about Liverpool's previous dealings. I mean, they've conned everyone for half the youth squad. Half the youth squad. I mean, they'll they'll be looking at us and thinking, why won't you pay the same for Wilson? And it suits them, to be fair, because and. It, it is a it is a weird season. P- players have been getting getting positive tests at Liverpool. You only have to look. Shakiri today has been given a positive test, so they'll be looking at this and thinking, "We don't need to sell Harry Wilson. He can fill a slot on our bench if stuff like this happens." So unless you're going to pay the right amount of money, there's there's no point letting him go. And I think us haggling over them few million pounds up front or whatever it was, just absolutely ridiculous. It's silly and it's just born idle and. It's going to leave us in deep trouble this season. And it's probably a good job that fans aren't in the stadium because I agree with Robbie that they'd quickly be turning. It's just not good enough. And also, Wilson would have been an important signing because, as Mike correctly said, this season's bonkers. And the most bonkers thing is the amount of goals that are being scored. And that does not suit our game one bit. No, I'm really worried about that. And that's something I'm going to come on to in another podcast. I am absolutely terrified about that because the days of us nicking a 1-0 win are well, well gone. Um, oh, God, you know, this, this podcast started so, so positively. And it's just gone downhill. So let us turn to our final caller of the night. I'm delighted to be joined by Dan Barnes. Dan, welcome to the show. Um, you've got the slightly unenviable task of closing us out for the night. We've had some really sad Burnley fans on. Can you give us any glimmer of hope that everything's going to be okay? Well, I can try my best, but I am feeling pretty negative, to be honest. Oh, no! Okay, group hug. Let it out, Dan. Come on, (laughs) we will beat your ears. Well, I think, think first of all, you have to say it is frustrating because the club's in terms of the squad, is in a weaker position than the start of the window. And in the Premier League, that just should not be happening. Um, but I think it is also important to have a bit of perspective because, you know, apart from Hendrick, it is it is pretty much the same squad that, that did so well in the second half of last season. Uh, and thankfully, you know, Tarkovsky is still at the club, Pope's still at the club, McNeil's still here. Uh, we've also obviously kept hold of Sean Dyche, which is absolutely vital. Um, so we know we can we can turn this round, and obviously with the international break, with a few players coming back from injury, hopefully very soon. Um, hopefully we'll be we'll be back to winning ways before we know it. Yeah, I, I think I think that's right. I mean, did you share Daisha's, um summary that he said when he was because he seemed to change tune, didn't he, Dan? He was he was really having a go at the at the um, chairman quite openly, and I was actually annoyed at Deitch when he had his bit of a tantrum in the presser when he was clearly being very obstructive with the with the the media guys and, and making it very clear what his feelings were on the transfer policy. And then almost overnight he, he went changed his tune quite a bit and started talking about how the squad was fine naturally when all the players are fit there's going to be no problem. Um do you think that the squad fully fit, the first team out there, the players that we know and love all playing together do you think they've got it in them to be able to adapt to the differing challenges of the Premier League this season to nullify those goals, to score more goals are going to be needed? Or 
you know, are we really going to be stuck in in a strategy that's always worked for us that suddenly we've got no answer to? Um, I think the squad is definitely capable of staying up. I think it all depends on um, whether Dyche still feels like it's uh, a job that he's motivated in. Uh, and I yeah. think because of his relationship with the players, I think that that won't be an issue yet. Um, and just to to kind of touch on when you when you spoke about Darch's sort of change of heart, um, I wonder if that is actually because he's kind of looking at the uh, the takeover rumours. Maybe he knows something more than we do, uh, and maybe he's expecting to come into a bit of money in January when uh, this American business potentially uh, gets involved. So I think that'll be really interesting to see how it pans out. Yeah, definitely. Um... You're obviously really clued up, Dan, and I know um, we're going to be speaking to you, definitely going to be speaking to you before the end of the season. I know you, you, we've been in, albeit I've just realised that there's a few emails that you've sent me that I've not replied to, so I'm going to apologise on air. <laughs> no problem. I'll let producer Matt kick me because he keeps kicking me about things that I've not yet done in the Northern <laughs> inbox. So we'll certainly be talking to you before the end of the season. I know you've expressed an interest to get involved and we'd love to have you. Um, I guess you are very well connected in terms of football gossip. Um, in terms of the championship pool of players that we know we um, now are limited to and also the various lists of free agents, um, can we please not include also made out of glass Jack Wilshire in that category though please um is there anybody out there who you've seen rumors of or noise available that could do a job for us if we can get them in, in the next two weeks um I haven't seen anything yet but I think the main one to look at is Craig Dawson because obviously there has been so much interest from Deitch's side in the past uh, and with obviously us being able to offer that that attraction of Premier League football then I think it is something that that could possibly happen, especially with obviously Gibson now, uh, with his future sorted out. I think the, the club definitely does need another option at centre back, uh, and he'd probably be fairly cheap as well. So I think that's one we could see happen. But I think at this stage, it's just a waiting game, really. Yeah, I, I worry about the championship wind. Uh, ch- obviously, the EFL transfer window, as it's being termed now, just because I think I think Will mentioned on it before um, the, the the prices. They're just going to see us coming a mile off, cap in hand. Please, sir, can we have a player? And it's going to be like it, like the, the transfer window the other year when we sent that email out asking for who's available on deadline day. They're just going to laugh us <laughs> out the building and say, Craig Dawson, yeah, he's worth 15 million for us now. We're going to be going for promotion. So I, 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 I don't see us signing anyone personally just because they're going to be charging absolutely through the roof. And if we can't pay the money for Harry Wilson, who's a, a fairly established player and a good up-and-coming player, What's the chances of us splashing the money now? Unless we get taken over. Maybe that's the case. Maybe Dan's right. We're going to get taken over in the next few days. <laughs> Here's hoping. I'll, I'll be really annoyed if we get taken over like 48 hours after the transfer window close. I'm like, man, could you not have sorted this out earlier? Do you know what they need? They need a good lawyer. I'm going to put my hand up. Um, Dan, it does seem a little bit of a strange strategy, doesn't it? If we are... If we're always being cited as money problems being the reason why we're not able to compete in this market, yet we consistently go into a really overinflated championship market where it's a well-known fact that those players cost way more than they're actually worth. That's a, that's an odd strategy. Yeah, I think it's a case of how much the championship market has changed, really. I mean, Deitch in the past has spoke about how you know you just simply don't get those bargains anymore like we did with Nick Pope from Charlton. Uh, and I think. It's a. I think he's in a tough position now because you know that was always kind of his safety net. Where if if there wasn't really a a good deal to be had, then he would fall back to the championship. But even now, I mean, those those quality players in that league are, are really hard to get now. So I think it just shows how tough it is uh, for a club like Burnley to to compete, even even in the midst of championship fees. Now I think it it's probably something we expected. Uh, to change with obviously the COVID implications, but it hasn't. It's just you know the spending is still there, mm. and with the Ollie Watkins deal, it's it's bigger than ever now. So I think it's just a sign of how crazy really the football market is. Yeah, you're right, Dan. Um, okay, then before we let you go, same question that we've had to everybody: How does this season play out? What's your gut instinct? Well, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a bit worried, but I think. At this stage, I think I'm still going to back the players. I'm going to back Deitch, and I'm going to say that we're going to have enough to uh, avoid the drop. Obviously, you look at teams like Fulham and West Brom, and you think we should be able to come above them. 
Um, and hopefully there's a, hopefully we can have another sort of similar run to last season where we obviously had a, a really poor run, uh, completely bounced back from that and uh, in, in the end weren't even worried about relegation. Amen to that. Well, thank you very much, Dan. It's been a pleasure. We will talk to you again before the end of the season. Um, that's all of our four callers, um, guys, Richard, George, Robert. Um, fantastic input from our listeners. I really, really enjoyed that. I think they all made some really valid points, even though... We try to get some positivity, listeners, but I think everybody's just feeling really down in the dumps at the moment. Um, Richard, just coming to you very quickly before we sign off for the week. Um, you, you'd heard some quite interesting explanation about the financial implications that the club had you this week. Is there anything from that that you can share? <laughs> One second. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, I'm going to put Richard on the spot. Get your message out, Richard. Come on. <laughs> yeah, so this was um, from a source of mine. He shall not be named um, due to legal reasons. Normally joking. Um, so, yeah, so just um, a Burnley, you know, a fellow Burnley fan um, who's a bit, you know, he knows more than me about the financial side of football um, and the goings on and, and stuff like that. He just kind of basically sent me a message saying, you know, I just said, what's what's going on with the Burnley transfer window, in your opinion? Um, and he said, based on most recent accounts, loss of match day income alone means we'll, we, we will be running an operational cost. Add to that the loss of other commercial commercial revenue, dropping TV money, e.g. Sky 200 million rebate, loss of a channel deal, deferred money from outgoing transfers down, ingoing transfers up. We are undoubtedly drawing on reserves. The only question is how quickly they are being de- depleted. Personal wealth of board members doesn't compare to every other owner. I don't know, but I suspect the Wilson bid was about our limit. Once he proved to be beyond us, then where do you go for someone to improve the first team? You get absolutely nothing for less than 15, 20 million um, in this market. We have kept Dwight and Tarki, which is a positive. It may have been the case of keep them and limited incomings or sell one and free up some money. Not an ideal situation, but I would prefer to keep than sell and bring in lesser players. We might still get the odd squad filler in from the EFL, but it is hard to see much more. If we get a throw in with injuries, we, you know, we've still got a chance of staying up. Um, so obviously, that's the financial side. I thought it was just a really interesting message that I shared, um, you know, in our WhatsApp group. What I will say to that is, I, I completely understand that money is going to be tighter because of COVID. Obviously, we've not, you know, we've not sold a player for a long time for a significant amount of money, which obviously impacts what we can spend. But I think in the last two min- two years, we've had a net spend of about five or six million, I think I read. So surely there is money there to you know to go and sign a player. And as George mentioned, if we didn't get Wilson, I knew, well, who's the backup to that? In terms of the transfer situation, I'm not going to totally lose my... Um, completely lose it until the end of next Friday. Fingers crossed we do get somebody in, but I'm really not hopeful of that. And it's, and it's all a big if, if we don't get injuries, if if this happens. We have left ourselves short in you know in terms of a squad. It's going to be a really, really difficult season. But what I will say is, and I'll try and finish it on a positive note, those players who we've got in the squad now, I'll me personally, I'll absolutely back them you know, to the hill. You know, we've got absolute Claret's heroes in that team. Um, you know, Pope, Tarky, Ben, me, especially Westwood, Barnes. They they would absolutely you know give everything for the shirt. So hopefully we get that one club mentality back and we get a few results and we can pull through it. Um, but if we have another run of injuries throughout the season like we've had at the start, it's going to be very very difficult for us. And we end the show on that night on that note on that night. We end the show on the night. We end the show on that note. Um, God, where do we even start with all of that? We have tried our best to try and unpick what's going on at the club. I know it feels very doom and gloom at the moment, guys, but there is a glimmer of hope in there. This is Burnley, for God's sake. This is Dyche. This is Ashley Barnes. This is Ashley Westwood. This is a Premier League club where our two Ashleys bought a minibus to ferry 
the players to the ground to car share. You know, this is us. This is the club that survived the Orion game in 1987 for our listeners of that generation. You know, this is a club that has enjoyed success and finished in Europe and finished 10th in the Premier League for our younger generation. We will get through this. It will be fine. Um, you are, as fans, entitled to feel down in the dumps at the moment and to get angry and to get frustrated. But we've got a long season ahead of us. We've only played three games. There are 35 games left. There are all sorts of twists and turns going ahead. And we have got Daesh at the helm, who will do his absolute best to steady the ship and get us playing back to the standard that we know and love. Um, lots of people to thank this week because it's been a very busy show. We, as always, start with thanking producer Matt, who um, has got a bit of an editing task this week with lots of people's audios to feed in. So thank you, Matt. Um, Band Joyce for providing us with our music, um, royalty free, which we appreciate very much. To our four absolutely fantastic listeners, uh, our call-ins tonight, Will Lancaster, Stuart Parkinson, Mike Landers and Dan Barnes, who were absolutely brilliant and I can't wait to hear from them again before the end of the season. To my three panellists, Stuart and, uh, no, sorry, I'm going back on the other call list. I'm so sorry, I'd forgotten my panellist names already. My wonderful panellists who I love immensely, Robert, George and Richard for joining me this week and analysing all of that. Um, my final th- thanks of course go to you the listener for downloading and listening to this podcast your support is very much appreciated and we would not be here without you it is time now for a two week break um, the Clarets don't meet again now until the 17th of October where we've got that must win game against West Bromwich Albion in that time we've got players out in international break we've got a chance for all of us to sit back reflect compose ourselves and get ready to cheer the boys on when they get back um, I hope you're all staying safe. Our best wishes go to all of you. Take care. This has been the Known and Never podcast. Until next time. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered. By fans.